and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard Davis, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, how has the last one hour of your life been? Richard, there's some moments in life you can't ever get back. You just there. It's an hour of time stuck in the in the in the matrix, and you just have to look back on it fondly. And Richard, speaking to you pre-pod for the last hour has been fantastic. Like we've even been recording for this entire hour. I don't know whenever it'll happen, listeners, but at some at some point in time, this one hour long cold open will will just make it to light, and you'll be able to hear it. It was it was a really wonderful experience uh, as we prepped for this podcast. Really fun. Yeah. It's honestly the limiting factor is me uh, making sure I, you know, stay pod friendly in the uh, pregame speeches because obviously there's some there's some choice words that need to stay removed from the uh, the public airway, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the Miami Heat here today. They're one of our teams. And so Ethan obviously has strong feelings about uh, about his squad. And we're also talking about a really just a, a, just a bad team in general, the, the Charlotte Hornets. So um, if that can give you uh, listeners out there any. Any clue as to how Ethan has felt about uh, what a what a joke these guys these Charlotte Hornets they don't even know what acronym to use it's inconsistent is it C H A is it C H O I don't know is the A for like the first three letters of Charlotte or is it the C H O for C is the Charlotte and H O is for Hornets I can't get it straight I need this for my tweets Richard I'm upset about this team already and they haven't even done anything directly to me today. No, we've just worked you up, Ethan, for about an hour of just whatever pre-step. But let's get into it, Ethan. We are dealing with state of the franchises for the Charlotte Hornets, and then we'll get to the Miami Heat later on. Now, Ethan, mm-hmm. the Hornets at the moment are 34 and 39. Their season saved last night by a ridiculous Jeremy Lamb half-court heave that went in to beat the Toronto Raptors. Um, they still are about what two games back of the Miami heat. Mm-hmm. Um, they are one game back of the, the magic for the nine seed. And uh, they are three games back of the Pistons for the seven seed. Ethan, these, these, I guess we should mention the nets. Nets are just a half game up of the Pistons. So, I mean, theoretically, but they're probably safe. We, we no one, no one is thinking that the nets might miss the playoffs. No one's putting those negative auras into the system because D'Lo's been playing so well, and they've been a really fun team to watch, regardless of their success. This is true. Um, the so so there, there are a couple games back of the Heat for the eight seed, and looking looking out at their schedule. So here's here's the the, the schedule real quick. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna speed right through it. They got the Spurs, Lakers, and Warriors, and Jazz. Like those might not be the best of games. It depends. Is LeBron playing for that Lakers game? We don't know. It's not a back-to-back, so maybe he will. They play the Pelicans and the Raptors, then Pistons, Cavs, and Hornets. Uh, sorry, they, they, the Magic. The Hornets play the Magic um, to finish off the season. You'd think that they'd have to go, what, out of like a 6-3 and three or 7-2 and two clip in order to make it, and I just don't see that being in the cards with the schedule they have the rest of the way. I don't know, Ethan. What What do you yeah. think? We, we, we went through the the schedule earlier. No one wants to hear schedule talk exclusively, but we gave them, I thought, a pretty generous uh, five and four finish to the year. Mm -hmm. And we, I think we were pretty fair with the other teams that we had analyzed. And I think we decided that they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, we we went through it and the Hornets, we think missed by, you know, a few games, um, just comparing the other, the other teams in question. Uh, So 
Ethan, we think this is a team that's going to miss the playoffs, be the nine or 10 seed in the East and really be in just a land of a bunch of questionable, like what's happening in Charlotte. Obviously you, you know, miles bridges is, has been looking nice to finish the season off, but outside of him, with the uncertainty surrounding Kemba Walker this offseason, Ethan, what do we have in Charlotte? What's going on? You just have a bunch of questions because there's nothing There's nothing that you want on the franchise that's actually nailed down. Kemba Walker is a free agent. You can offer him a huge deal, and he might accept it because he spent his whole career in Charlotte. You know, he, he's had fun at times, but obviously this team has not been built properly to actually accommodate his skills. Um, you have Malik Monk, who Steve Clifford seems to have broken in his rookie season, and James Brago hasn't been able to revive him. So that's an interesting development. You know, Malik Monk was one of the most confident players in all of college basketball during his freshman season at UK, and he seems to not have any of that flair and uh, pizzazz to his game anymore. Um, still a great free throw shooter, so I'm going to say that his shot is not broke. It just isn't going in from the field as of now. And then Jeremy Lamb's a free agent, you know, the hero of the other night. Um, some team's going to want to give him some money, and I, I think he would take equal money from another team to play for a better team. So, yeah, there's, there's nothing that is good on this team that is actually staying on the roster other than the rookie Miles Bridges and Malik Monk. Yeah, I I just am very uncertain um, about the like the trajectory of this team. I mean, looking at it, they could offer the grandfather deal to Kemba Walker, but, at, but what does that get you? Just still more of the same, the nine seed or eight seed in the Eastern Conference, depending on the year, depending on the other teams. And uh, just because, I mean, Malik Monk is someone who needs to change the scenery. He just he just needs to get out of there. And Jeremy Lamb, I, he's one of the guys who I think a team could get on a reasonable deal who could be an impact player uh, for someone. Um you know, coming off the bench or uh, probably for for a good team, and it would be someone who could be, have a really positive impact. It's just this team, with the way that they've been constructed, the way that they have operated over the past few years, has really not uh, been run the greatest. Unfortunately, Michael Jordan's at the at the top of it. Um, really not run how you know in a way that matched his playing legacy. Yeah, and you know. Same thing's going for Magic Johnson right now. So maybe yes, maybe true. we can learn something from that. You know, I don't, obviously don't think that um, ex-NBA players are not qualified for this job. It's just one of those things that I think when you are the elite of the elite talents, it's it's a hard thing to do to relate to players who, you know, are on the margins. You know, you, you're, you're not going to find a Michael Jordan in every draft, no matter where your pick is. Yeah, uh, I mean, this gives us a little bit of a heads up for what um, – GM LeBron maybe in the future. We already see what GM LeBron is at the moment. Just saying, going forward, it's been a little iffy, but he does have um he does have ulterior motives in the fact that his buddy runs an agency, and a lot of his players, uh, teammates have been clutch clients. So, you know, maybe maybe LeBron wouldn't give J.R. Smith that contract, but he needs to make it happen for J.R. Smith. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, uh, bad contracts. Let We should speak to the bad contracts that the Charlotte Hornets have accumulated over the years. Uh, Nicholas Batum. Um, yeah, he's got uh, one more year fully guaranteed and another player option. Uh, 25 and a half and then 27.1. I think he'll pick up that 27.1. Um, 
Bismack Biombo, he has a player option this off season for 17 million. I think he's picking up that 17 million. Ethan, how about you? I agree. Uh, Marvin Williams, uh, one year, 15 million. I think he'll also pick up that player option. He's the one person that I would have any kind of question about because I could see him getting, you know, around $10 million a year somewhere else. And if you can get more money guaranteed over a long term, maybe that's a possibility. However, I don't think he'll opt out because he is a UNC player that went, I uh, got drafted, that ended up in Charlotte, you know, for the last few years. I think he's pretty happy where he's at. And for $15 million, one more season on a guy who's, Career is aging pretty well overall. I think he's going to stick around. Cody Zeller, two years, uh, fully guaranteed, $14.5 million and $15.4 million. Um, Just don't like to see marginal marginal centers that you can probably get an equal talent for Montrezl Harrell money. Yep. Montrezl Harrell is a lot better than him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it's just you hate, to, you hate to see this money being, you know, quote-unquote wasted when um, – Cody Zeller's just, he's fine. Yeah. And you think we're done, but we're not. We got one more year. It's, it's actually a player option, but he, he'll probably take it, you think? Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, yeah, he just, unfortunate being as young as he is, but we know exactly the type of player that he is. And it's just, it's not enough at the moment. It's just one of those things, man. You you drafted him. He's a great defensive player. He's kind of like Brago, I think, found a nice niche for him. That he kind of plays him at center, you know, for for stretches. And when you have athletic guys like a Marvin Williams, which his, his athleticism is waning, but a Miles Bridges, and you can basically have a bunch of pretty athletic 6'8 guys, it's kind of a cute thing to do. But it hasn't worked out all that great, given the um, status of their record and such. So here we are with – um, well, next year, because I mean, you can just tell by all the contracts we just listed, they don't have tons of flexibility. They have about $102 million wrapped up. Um, and that is without saying much about Kemba Walker. So mm -hmm. I, I mean, at the moment, you've got to believe that this is a team that if they are able to resign Kemba, they are going to be a luxury tax team. Uh, I mean, they, they, they do have some pieces that they could try to move off of, but do you really want to be a luxury tax team just to hit the nine seed in the East again? Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't. It couldn't be me. Um, it's not like you're the Wizards of a few years ago when they've always looked like they're on the upward trajectory. So giving John Wall the Supermax – doesn't seem like the worst thing. Obviously, as soon as the contract's signed, you you do you look at the numbers and you're like, wow, that is a lot of money. But this that, that Wizards team was supposed to be getting better. But then of course John Wallace had his injury problems. You know, their center situation has just gotten worse. Like everything everything went poorly for this team this year. But like with with the Hornets, there's not even an upward tra trajectory to bet on. And that's where you have a hard time convincing anyone to do anything with that kind of money and player. I got to think that Kimba Walker is best served to for himself and his career to go elsewhere. And I think the Hornets are best served to not try to retain him. Yeah, I, I would say so as well. Um, you got 53 million the year after that. So like we mentioned, a lot of these deals are going to be coming off and then just 5 million after that. So really it's just one more year of financial inflexibility. Um, so, I mean, I guess if they did, and if, if, uh, Kim Walker did want to stick around, maybe it's one more year of just that awful 
awfulness, that ninth seed, and then you get off of a lot of contracts. And then at that point in time, maybe you're a little bit more flexible. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, 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 there are a couple routes you could take. I think the fortunate thing for them is that the, the draft does come before free agency. And with, with that in mind, you can assess where you're at with your franchise based on if you guys get lucky and win the lottery. Let's say the Hornets move up to number two in the draft and they can draft Ja Morant. Okay, mm-hmm. I think at that time, it's a perfectly great excuse to not bring Kemba back. It's like, hey, listen, you know, we were going to, we would love to offer you the max. We'd love to keep you here. But it's just one of those things, man. Like we, we got the, we got the prospect pick available. We got to go for it. Kemba, go get your money in New York or wherever else. Or if you have Zion Williamson, that's a bit different. If you can draft mm-hmm. Zion Williamson, maybe you say, all right, Kemba, come back. We want you and him in pick and roll. We want you throwing oops. He's going to create all kinds of space for you. Let's run, let's keep him around. And then you can maybe it's assign that in that 50, that year with $53 million on the books plus Kemba plus, Zion, maybe you can use that that money to go grab another player. So it's obviously very dependent on what happens in this in this um, draft process. Because if they get lucky and win the lottery, well, then you may it changes the entire trajectory of the franchise, as we all know. Yeah, man, we didn't do our due diligence here just because we were thinking about this team being so bad as it is. We didn't even take a moment to look at Tankathon and see what their what their prospects are. Let me go ahead and do that real quick while you go through the draft picks that they do have. And the ones All right, coming up. I can ma- I can make that happen. So the draft pick situation is is a lot moving around. Looks like they got a 2019 OKC second, a 2019 Washington second, a 2020 Cleveland second, a 2021 Brooklyn second, and 2021 Los Angeles Clippers second. Their outgoing picks are basically all their seconds, um, 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2023, all their second-round picks. So basically, they're just swapping around picks, and um, hopefully for their sake, that it works out that they traded theirs away and these other ones are better, which will be the case in everything except for the OKC and Clippers currently look at, with the outlooks. So, yeah. Well, the Charlotte Hornets have approximately a 1.5% chance at the number one pick, but a if you look – you know, uh, overall, they have about a seven, eight percent chance at a top four pick. OK, so we're Not- looking at so John Moran, I think, is is looking to settle himself into the number two lock. Yeah, like unless uh, uh, like let's say the Hawks get number two, maybe they don't take another point guard. Right. But at okay. that point, they're probably looking to trade down to someone who wants to trade up to get because, you know, they they seemed like a team that would want to game the system that way but yeah like there are a few teams that might not take him like cleveland for example cleveland has colin sexton right they may not look to get john right i mean i'm picking whoever is the best but you know we get the picture here yeah so it's it's unlikely that but if you get up to the four spot well then maybe you have the uh, the ability to okay hey we'll give you malik monk and this we what we want that guy and maybe maybe you can work something out but you know this is all hypothetical it's just that is what that is the limiting factor and questions surrounding this team of if we bring in the right talent, do we re-sign Kemba? Like if he, even an RJ Barrett, maybe he's the right kind of guard to pair with um, Kemba Walker, and you you consider it there too. Um, I'm not sure. It's it's really up in the air, especially when you don't know how willing the Charlotte Hornets are to go to like a hinky-ish tank job. Like if they were very willing to just start selling off any asset they have to get as much pick capital as they can, maybe, maybe this works out really well for them. But if they're not willing to do that, 
Maybe maybe Kimba Walker's a lock to get the max offer just because yeah. they can't they can't be that bad. Well, uh, that's that that's the situation. That is the outlook for the Hornets as far as where the money lies, where their contracts are, and what kind of picks they have coming in and going out. Ethan, what can we do if if you if we say, Mitch Kupchak, sorry, you're still not operating free agency and you're not tampering the way that we need you to. Let's get you out of here. Michael Jordan calls you and says, Ethan, you are now the GM here. What what, what are you doing? What steps are you taking? Let's well, assume we don't get a top pick. Okay. Well, so if we assume we don't get a top pick, it's all about taking the right, right proper gambles. And especially if we're looking at this team as we're doing a rebuild, it's not so bad to bring on long-term money. And as deemed the worst contract in basketball, we're going to try and make that not the worst contract in basketball. We are going to trade Batum and Malik Monk for Andrew Wiggins. And, Richard, I know we worked out some other combinations. That's just the one I have written down. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking to bring Maple Jordan to Michael Jordan and see yes. if we can make things work. Oh, man. See, um, yeah, you could do that. Uh, we we had spoken about a couple other ones. If we wanted to really mess it up, you know, you could go – um, Wiggins and Gordon Jang even throw in that contract, uh, throw in, um, you know, Williams, Biombo, Kid Gilchrist, and Malik Monk. But the point is, there really aren't that many trade partners out there. The unfortunate part about them and, and the expiring deals that they have is that everyone now has expiring deals. This is the year that our 2016, the summer of 2016 contracts, those long ones are now coming off the books. And so, with the exception of Nick. Batum and Cody Zeller, all the other ones that they have, Biombo, Marvin Williams, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, all those ones that, that expire this year are not really that helpful because it's a really dilute experience across the league because people don't need to get off of contracts because they're about to get off of contracts. Mm -hmm. And even if someone is looking to get off of a contract, well, you're not the only team that has expirings that they could, that they could move. Now, you might be the only team that – well. Not the only team. We might be one of the only teams that is really inside of a major tank fest and is okay with you know being really bad. But you're probably not getting uh, you know top dollar for for those for those expiring deals like you would have if it was any other year. Mm -hmm. Like think about the deals that happened this offseason with like Denver. Denver trying to get off of people sending first round picks um, in order to make it happen. Probably not happening this year. Yeah. So. It's just a really unfortunate situation that the Charlotte Hornets can't even pull the hinky correctly at this point because it's just the wrong time. Yeah, the timing's just off. Like I can only think of like teams like Miami, for example, the Andrew Wiggins and Gorgie Jang contracts. There's not a whole lot of bad contracts that are just going stupid long into the future that aren't including like a Russell Westbrook, a John Wall type of talent, which guys are who are probably not on the move. I mean, maybe yeah. that's something that, that Charlotte should explore if they choose to let Kimball Walker walk, but then you're just kind of signing yourself up for the same bad deal with a new guy, and that's also really weird, but he's not going to probably play much next year, so maybe you're like in, you're giving yourself another chance at winning the lottery. When John Wall comes back healthy, you can pair him with a really good young player. So there's obviously a thought process there. But, yeah, and it's not to mention, Richard, like we're talking about, you know, trading away and signing for players like we're still like there's a frank kaminsky question out here like is he coming back like i don't think he should like he should be going elsewhere but like you know like what frank is this kaminsky question i know there is a frank kaminsky question he's had a couple <laughs> decent games later oh my goodness <laughs> a couple. No, let's, 
Okay, but ultimately, Richard, I think I think the Wiggins trade makes sense for both teams. Like Batum could be a catch and shoot guy, Monk's a project guard to pair with um to pair with um Carlton Towns going forward. I think you know at this point, like they should still be. We talked about it before. They should be looking at hopefully Jeff Teague wants to move on so they can look at bringing in a different type of guard to come in there, um to pair to pair with Carlton Towns. But you know we'll see what happens. I I think I think the most the most uh, disappointing thing about all this is just how the, like, if you look at the drafts of the Hornets in recent years, it's just mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. They took really safe players that like, they're exactly what you knew they could be in terms of Cody Zeller. You knew what he was going to be. Like he probably wasn't ever going to hit a superstar ceiling. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, we knew, you knew his shot was broke, but you still, you know, got him at the second overall pick. Um, There might not have been that many great options behind him, but you didn't take gambles on high, high, High octane talent. Oh, there, there, there was a great option available at least for one of the drafts. I mean, the Frank the Tank here. I mean, Michael Uh-oh. Jordan is really. I mean, yeah, that, you, you that had the been trade. Well documented. Yeah, you had the trade available to you. You could have got Justice Winslow. Devin Booker would have been a good gamble pick, and you went with Frank Kaminsky, which you knew at the best he's like what Andrea Bargnani or Mehmet Okur. Like, what was he going to be? That he was, he was going to be Dirk. Come on. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just saying. No one no. even said that. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> he wasn't even 41 in college. He was 44. So just saying. Not even that comparison. Just saying. So, yeah, this team's trash. They're not fun to talk about. I, I Ironically, Richard, I feel like we've done better talking about these guys than the Pistons. I mean, that's true. It's fair. Maybe, maybe it's just the, the – the, um, Creative juices are flowing better today. I hey, don't know. maybe we we just need to take a, an entire one hour session before each podcast to just to you really know. hammer out all the crap that's not good for the podcast. Yes, and indeed. Oh boy, I mean, let's get to the heat, Ethan. Maybe maybe, maybe this will steer us back on yeah. on course we, here. We can get back to the boring boring stuff, right? The Miami Heat, mm. thirty six and thirty seven, like we had mentioned before. Um, we, when we did our schedule talk, they they sit just you know at the eight seed, one game back of the seven seed, um, one game clear of the Magic. Unfortunately, Ethan, they do not have many tiebreakers. But again, when we looked at the schedule, we looked at the predictions. We tried to be reasonable with it. We think that the Miami Heat get to forty two and forty two. Um, Maybe if it goes a little bit bad for them, maybe 41 43. But at the same time, we looked at the other squads and we think Wait, that. We said 42 and 42. It's 42 and 40, sir. 42 and 40. My math was messing up. 42 and 40. Excuse me. Excuse <laughs> I me. mean, we put them at six and three to finish. I mean, they've been playing a lot better lately. So, like, I'll even say we can go 41 41. I think that still worked out for them to make the yeah. playoffs. It just was a seeding thing. But, um, like, I, I, I really do think the six and three was, like, not unreasonable. But. Um, you know, some someone might just do. Do we have to? Do we have to schedule talk right now? No, we don't have to. I'm just, I'm okay. just, I'm just defending the logic. But when we said 42 and 42, I'm like, that's not right. right. We're not that, playing. That 80, was that was bad. We're not playing 84 games this year. And that was bad. No, you're 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 you are correct. Um, they do have a core. We can actually identify a core, which was which is something we were unable to do with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, yes. Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, and Josh Richardson. My favorite, Josh Richardson. Yeah. Um, and I actually listed those and how I think the, the Heat are currently valuing things. They oh, really, my. No, I'm saying the Heat. I, I don't know how the rest of the league because I think Josh Richardson is like one of the most plug-and-play guys 
that of, in, of anyone in the entire league that's not like a superstar. Like he's a guy you can put on any roster and he's going to make them better because of his schedule shoot ability. I think he's a little miscast as a playmaker for the Miami Heat, but that's what just where Justice Winslow has been coming in and he's really been playing well. And that's why I think the Heat value him a little bit more because of the the role they've selected for him as point justice. And I think and I think Bam is you know the, a, a, a prototype for what you want out of a future center. So that's why I think this is the order they value them in. See, I look at Josh Richardson as being one of the more valuable, like just looking at contracts, because all of this comes, all of NBA just comes down to value over your contract. And mm-hmm. just Josh Richardson, I think provides that where he is a very, very quality player and you're paying him peanuts compared to what some of these other guys are, are getting paid. If you were, if he were to hit the open market this year, Ethan, if he were to be a free agent this year, how much is he making? A hair below Chris Middleton, because I think they're basically the same guy, with Chris Middleton being a little bit better of an ISOs player. But I think Josh Richardson's a better defender. I think if you look at the percentages, he's an equally good shooter. Um, See, I think that like we similarly to how and when we talk talk about the Pistons podcast, we're like, well, the Pistons aren't really a team that anyone really cares about or talks about because they're not interesting in free agency. They're gonna be where they are. Like Josh Richardson is going to be on the Miami Heat for the next few years, so no one's going to talk about him. No one is going to mention him. And right now, Chris Middleton's getting all of the talk. But if he was on a long-term contract already, we wouldn't be talking about him either. We and so he'd be like just, Bradley Beal, where Bradley Beal's putting up great numbers, but we're not talking about him right now because he's not being traded. And once the trade deadline passed, we stopped talking about Bradley Beal because he's not going anywhere and he's playing for a nothing team. Exactly. And so when I look at, at some of these guys that you've mentioned, for me, Josh Richardson provides, I think, a whole lot of value. The problem is that you have um, have some bad contracts around some of these guys. But before we get to the bad contracts, are there any other people who you fit into the questionable category? Yes, I want to include Goran Dragic in this because Goran Dragic, I think, still has value at his contract. He's like right, he's like right properly paid because he's been really good since coming back from injury. Unfortunately, that injury is maybe the reason he's not to his value. Um, I think there's a possibility that Goran Dragic like opts out of his $17 million and the Heat re-sign him for like a three-year deal at a lower value to dip the tax. I think that's a very strong possibility. And I think um, Derek Jones Jr. is the next guy I want to talk about. This guy is so fun to watch. He's very he's an electric player when he gets in the air. Um, he's improved on defense. He's still rail thin, but but he's he's a good rebounder. He's honestly like slim DeAndre Jordan. He can't do a whole lot else, but he can get up, block shots, and dunk. But he he's he's obviously not seven feet tall, and he's not built like a house. But his offensive value is very. Very similar. I, I like what you're typing there. I just I chose because he's been playing well, Richard, to not include Kelly Olynyk in the bad contracts because I don't want my hatred for watching him play to affect my analysis. Okay, yeah i I just saw that you you omitted Kelly Olynyk, and so I just wanted to. I, I think I omitted him because I think people would trade for him and be happy with it. Okay, bad contract. Here's what we have: Hassan Whiteside, one year, twenty seven million dollars um that is a player option which he undoubtedly undoubtedly will say yeah, i want that i want that money yes. um ryan anderson one year 15.6 million dollars that is fully guaranteed nope not not fully guaranteed what's going on with that Talk it's not it. fully guaranteed 
let me go to the Heat's contracts page, which I do not have pulled up right now. So go ahead and mention another contract. I'm sorry. Okay. Um. Next. Next bad contract. We have James Johnson. Ooh. Two more years, Ethan. Two more years. Actually, it's a one plus one, but you know, two years, a grand total of thirty-one and a half million dollars. You think he's going to want to take all of that? Dion Waiters, two years, twenty-four million dollars. Seems like you guys wanted to overpay some, I don't know, middle of the road type of players. Yes, clearly. And so that seemed like it. it once he lost LeBron, Pat Riley just kind of went into uh, a spin of Let, let's just pay all the money we can to these guys. All right, I have my Ryan Anderson update. So it wasn't – it is fully guaranteed, but I, I was thinking about the time where they he agreed to reduce his guarantee from $21 million to 15.6. That was the that was the thing I was thinking of. So it's not fully it, – it is fully guaranteed, but somehow they made it less they money. Tackled. They made it yeah. less money. Randomly, don't I don't know how. I don't, under, I don't understand how that works at all. But I don't know either. Maybe yeah, I don't know. He's getting bought out at the end of the season. Like he's going to be just now nah, go away. We we just don't have. We just don't want you on the roster more or less. Unless they want to. I mean, maybe they just want him to be the fifteenth man or whatever. I don't. I mean, I don't know what they want. But he's he's not going to play for this team unless it's garbage time. Hey, you need someone to play garbage time. That's what Udonis Haslam's for. I thought. Yeah, but you have no uh, second-round picks. This is true. So no one else to give garbage time to. Um, yeah. All right. Did we hit the rest of the bad contracts? I wasn't listening. We hit the to we hit the rest of the bad contracts. It we it should be noted, Ethan. We would be remiss if we did not note that this is Dwayne Wade's last year. We we just need to take a moment and and just acknowledge um, Dwayne Wade. Okay, and I, I want to mention Dwayne Wade in this in the, these terms specifically. If Lou Williams didn't exist, I would be campaigning very hard for this man to be sixth man of the year. Over Montrez Harrell? Yes. I'm just saying, like, Harrell would probably still deserve it more. I love how there are but, two guys on the, on the Clippers who, like, I was like, man, Montrez Harrell should win sixth man of the year. Oh, wait, he's not even the sixth man of the year on his own team. Yes. No, undoubtedly that Harrell and Lou Williams are both more deserving than Dwayne Wade. But Dwayne Wade has played an incredible role for the Heat this year. And it's it's kind of overlooked because of who he is as a, a historical player. Um, he's averaging 14 points per game. He's getting uh, four rebounds, four assists. And like he's he's only he's playing 25 minutes a game. So like his role is actually bigger than I think they intended it for it to be. But he is undoubtedly the clutch player. Like he plays that clutch role for this team, much like Lou Williams does for the Clippers. But Dwayne Wade, un- unlike Lou Williams, where Lou Williams does have other options, Tobias Harris earlier in the year, Danilo Gallinari at, at points, and then you know other guys who are good catch and shoot guys who can knock clutch clutch shots down. Dwayne Wade kind of does it all for the Heat because Josh Richardson, for all his value richard he yeah. has late game foibles all the time he does not perform late well late in games he dribbles his ball off his foot and he's just not a great clutch player i think that would change if you paired him with a really good other guard but right now when he's been asked to do that kind of stuff he's he's not ready for that yet unfortunately the miami heat are not in a good situation financially um they are going to be right up against the tax uh next year Yes. And uh, then the year after that, $70 million allotted. Then $24.5 million. And then finally, the 2022-2023 season, $0 million are allotted. So freedom unless Pat Riley does something else. 
Oh yeah, and he's Pat Riley's mentioned that he's looking for cap like to have that max cap space in the twenty twenty one offseason, which I believe is the offseason where there's not a whole lot of marquee names. I'd have to go back and look at it. But um maybe we just, you know, sign some more one year deals. We don't fall in love with the trash and this time we um we let it breathe and wait for the Giannis sweepstakes and maybe at that point he's ready to move out of Milwaukee and we have you know, Adebayo, Winslow, and Richardson, who look very appealing to come play with. That'd be nice. It'd be nice. Um, incoming picks. Absolutely nothing. No, no, there's nothing. <laughs> Pat Riley. What, what, not, what are picks? <laughs> Pat Riley does not believe in the NBA draft, um, even though we're very successful at it when we have them. Mm-hmm. Just does not believe in memory. It. We have outgoing second round picks. Um, all of them but 2022 that we can trade. Hey, we trade the, 2020, all the 2022 draft is supposedly going to be the double-up year draft, you know, in theory. Although I feel like it'll be a little bit – it won't work quite as well as we imagined to. But, you know. Um, one And one of those picks is very highly protected. It's going to Cleveland. It's the Dwayne Wade draft pick. I think it's a 2024 pick. But we traded it to – uh, Cleveland, and it's like top five. Like it's like the last five picks in the draft is the only picks that they can have it for. So the Heat are going to be a top five assume, team. Yeah, we assume that. Um, and then in twenty twenty one, that that highly spoken of twenty twenty one first round pick that the oh. Clippers are now in possession of. Yeah, unprotected. Most Sorry, most over most overrated draft asset in the league. I do think so. I I think. That's the case. I mean, at the very worst, you guys are going to be right around this spot. And so it's going to be like. what? What's the precedent for Miami being a trash team? Like, seriously, what's the precedent? When they went and got Michael Beasley? That's about it. When we tanked for Michael Beasley. We tanked for Derrick Rose, but we got Michael Beasley. <laughs> uh, Ethan, that's, yeah, I know you do. He's available. I don't know what you guys are doing. We here. can bring him back. Yeah, you bet you had better. He don't like Spol- He doesn't like Spolstra. Uh, you don't. Not anymore. I don't imagine he would. Um, Ethan, this is your team. Pat says I'm done making the decision. I'm done trading away all my picks. I hear. I hear that they're important. Ethan Hoffman, what should I do? Well, I would first get on the phone with uh, Dwayne Wade. And say, hey, do you want to keep playing? Because you're doing great. Come back. Same role. We can give you less minutes if you want it. We can give you more minutes if you want it. Just come back and hang out. You're, you're great for this team morale-wise. That'd be number one. I'd, I'd check with him. And then after that, I'm just saying, all right, we we have 10 roster spots spoken for. I think that'd be 11 if we keep Ryan Anderson because we have one draft pick coming in. Udonis Haslam can still be number 12 if that's what he wants. But other than that, I'm taking I'm just taking flyers on guys who can fill rosters. Um, I jokingly am talking about O.J. Mayo because I miss him. I want him back in the league. Um, but like that's obviously not a real player at this stage. He's, you know, I think playing in Puerto Rico maybe, but that's not important. I would like, honestly, just for us to use all those other roster spots on undrafted free agents, sign them to two-year deals at the minimum, and see what happens. Maybe we um, convert Duncan Robinson, who's a great shooter um, that played for Michigan last year. Maybe we just transfer him to being on the active roster because he, he looks like he's actually moving a lot better than he did in college. Uh, Fletcher McGee, the guy out of uh, Wofford, who is a great shooter, looks like, I mean, obviously he's going to get the Joe Harris comparisons, but 
I, I mean, he he is much more of a gunner than Joe Harris was in college when Joe Harris was at Virginia. So like, there's there's players like that that I would have intrigue in just trying to sign, get them on a roster spot because I really like where we're at in terms of our roster of players that are actually movable, and we have currently like Goron. I, I don't want him going anywhere. Whiteside, if you can get more players back for less money, sure, why not? I don't care, but. For the most part, I'm happy with the roster with the my, tiny bit of flexibility that we have with it. Yeah, I don't have much, Ethan. I don't have much that oh. you could possibly be spoken on. What, what, what can you say when you're up against the, the tax and you've got – I mean, if you could trade Whiteside for something like you mentioned, yeah, I'd do it. But Yeah. And no, and like I'm in the exact same mindset. Like the only thing – the only like hope I have is that some team with a really good player that is just not working out that I'm in love with that's left-handed and 6'10 and a point guard. There's like, we need something that's more fitting. And then maybe we can throw a package together. You're not getting, but it won't include uh, draft picks. You're not getting that, Ethan. Sorry. You, you don't think we could send Josh Richardson, Dion Wares and Kelly Olenek for, for um, Ben Simmons and whatever salary filler we need. No. Okay. Just check. I don't. But Josh Richardson's the most valuable player in the league, Richard. No, not the most valuable. I mean, let's, let's, be, let's be real here. He's, he's, no, no, he's no. One of the one of the more valuable. Anyways, I. That's yeah, about I don't, it. I don't know what you can do. I don't know what you can do. I mean, maybe there's a James Johnson for Marvin Williams trade. Uh, maybe there's a Kelly Olynyk to the Bucks with Brooke Lopez gets offered a lot of money. Maybe there's Ryan Anderson swap him for, you know, expiring contract and Malik Monk. I don't know. Andrew like, Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is a possibility, I guess. We could give up James Johnson, Deion Waiters, Kelly Olenek for Andrew Wiggins and you're only you know, someone else. Try to get a second round pick back. Yeah, guess. that'd be fine. Um, but yeah, no, this team's just one of those things. Like we have we have players that are old like I you know, maybe Rodney Magruder comes back. That's another roster spot because I think he's the Heat have purposely tanked his value. Um, anyway, no, nah, it's just this team's they're kind of stuck, waiting for cap space. But fortunately for us, we have some young players, and their developmental arcs are interesting. Bam Adebayo, I love him so much. I'm so happy with this draft pick. I, I know you are. So Ethan, um. If all holds as we think it should, the Heat should be the eight seed, maybe the seven seed if the Pistons slip a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to know if you're the eight seed, uh, who on your team is going to be the one sent out to purposefully injure Giannis? Um, to is it going to be Kelly Olynyk just because of the past oh. history that he has with injuring? Previous players in the first round? He definitely knows how to do it. Some people would say Dwayne Wade can hurt people as well because he's yeah. done it to Rajon Rondo, is what every Celtics fan will tell you. And I'm not going to say that it's not, not, there's not any facts to that. It obviously happened. I would say James Johnson has the only physical ability to actually destroy uh, Giannis in a fight. Um, Hassan Whiteside is a lumbering fool. Maybe he can take a, a fall. You know, he's not a lumbering fool. That was me. I like. I still like us on Whiteside, just not twenty twenty five, twenty seven million dollars a year. Um, so Ryan Anderson, he could go out there and you know just take a fall too because he's not going to play otherwise. 
Udonis Haslam in a street fight. You know, get him outside the arena. Udonis is wearing the suit at this point. He's he is not. He he shows up in a uniform every he, day. He practically has a clipboard in his hand already. He's he, almost the he coach doesn't want to be a coach. Fine. He wants to be a player coach. Fine. Um, See, I'm, what I'm saying is, why do you think the Pistons brought in Zaza, and why do you think we're really hoping for that two-seven matchup? I mean, you know, we're, we're wanting we're fragile. You know, we're wanting the Kawhi Leonard ankle roll again. I mean, that's what we're playing for. All I know is, I'd rather have Kawhi Leonard out there than Pascal Siakam with all the keys to the team. Shh. <laughs> Pascal Siakam with the keys is a scary thought. Yeah. That guy's um, been playing. We'll, we'll get to that. So well, and it hasn't slowed down. That's just fantastic. Yeah. Oh my, Ethan. It's been a while. It has. We've been talking for a good time, Richard. Hey, by the way, yes. just so just so everyone knows, this is this is important to me because it, it's been it's been bothering me when it like all the, the bad publicity was coming out. Um, this is the last year that Chris Bosch would have been on this team. And I just want to keep that in mind for all you people. Um if Chris Bosch is healthy and playing, maybe he's traded by now because we weren't going to compete at the highest level. But, you know, Chris Bosch was is, is, was a perfect center for the current era we're in. If he's on the team, James Johnson isn't, Koyo Lennox not, Deion Waiters isn't, Josh Richardson probably still gets the same extension. Maybe he's traded for a Jimmy Butler, though, because all of a sudden that is now a more important player to pair with a Chris Bosch. I just want to keep all that in y'all's heads. And also maybe Dwayne Wade never leaves, so there's no animosity about and him not going away. Like This this team had a very interesting road to uh, navigate, given that Chris Bosh had to medically retire. And, you know, the, the, on the books technically for this year, he'd have the highest payroll in the, in the, or, in the league. Be, not before tax, because uh, Bosh's stuff's not taxed this year. But $153 million are being paid out in salary this year by the Miami Heat. I just want to keep that in mind because Chris Bosh would have been great on this team. And I miss him. Yeah. Get better, Brandon Ingram. We don't want that to happen to you. That is true. It would be very disappointing. So, But sad to have, I have to let people know because well, Pat Riley, yes, made a lot of mistakes with that 2017 offseason. A lot of them could have been avoided if we just would have had Chris Bosch. All right, Ethan. Anything else you want to say from your soapbox? Nope. Mm, it's not a soapbox. I don't know what it is, but it's something else. Pump I don't. I'm, I don't want to be cliche. It's fine. It's fine. I know. Nothing else about the Miami Heat. I'm done. That's fine. Well, anything you're looking forward to uh, going into the um, – I mean, we already finished weekend one of, of the NCAA tournament. Anything else you're looking forward to in uh, weekend two? No, I just want to point out the fact um, that if you were rooting for UCF to beat Duke, um, I get it. I understand because Duke is, you know, the evil empire. It's bad. I'm not a Duke fan on any any kind of spectrum. But here's the deal, guys. UCF's a perfectly okay team, perfectly fun to watch. However, you need to be rooting for Zion to advance because we want to watch Zion. You can have him lose in the championship game. It's even more painful for Duke fans that way. But you need Zion playing as much as possible because he's so much fun to watch. Yeah, I was I was one of those ones rooting for UCF just because like it was just seeing it happen. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this might happen. But then thinking back, it's like, man, if they would have won, it's like, 
man, it, can it, this next few rounds would have just been really kind of underwhelming in, in my opinion. So it's not, it's not like rooting against uh, Virginia, who is a great college basketball team, but a horrible team to watch because they're so boring. If you, I mean, if you like college basketball, you'll like Virginia because all they do is run the clock down to five and then maybe shoot. Sometimes they just hold it and take the shot clock violation because it might, it might trigger a fast break the other way. If they throw up a three, you can't have that happening. You gotta, you gotta be able to get back and set your defense. So the dead ball turnover is way better than a missed three. Listen, just so you know where this is coming from, Xavier just lost in the NIT. So Ethan is uh, a little bit frustrated in general. I could, I could, could not care less. I'm just saying that Virginia plays not fun basketball. They have great, a great program. It's really good. I'm just saying I don't enjoy watching them at all. I don't so you, have I don't have that type of aesthetic. So you were rooting for Gardner Webb? No, I I wasn't rooting for anyone. I didn't I could, I could not care less. <laughs> oh boy. Well, Ethan, if if Virginia plays, I don't know. What 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 teams even in their side of the bracket? Um well, their side of the Are they in Texas Tech side? No, Which, Texas, by the way, Tech, Texas is... Tech playing zone coward. No, coward. Te- Texas Tech, I believe, is playing Michigan. Um, this next round. Yeah, but oh, and they're they're on the Duke side. The Michigan's on the Duke side. Oh, no. North Carolina is the one seed that's on the okay. east side of. Uh, okay, Virginia. so you should be rooting. No, 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 no. We should we should be rooting for Tennessee or Purdue because Purdue does have the one player. Like, you know, Carson Edwards is pretty fun to watch, even though yeah. I don't really like rooting for Purdue because I don't like Purdue fans that I've grown up with. Um, but Tennessee is pretty fun for a college team. Like, they don't have NBA talent, but they 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 play a fun style. Uh-huh. But, yeah, root, rooting for Virginia is is basically the, the worst thing you can do. So we're rooting for Oregon then? Sure. They play a fun style. They're not very good, like, histor- like most of the year, but they're playing fun basketball now. They got a white point guard, Peyton Pritchard. He's, you know, TJ he, he McConnell was, that can shoot some threes. How about that? Yeah, that was oh, that was interesting. He was he was killing it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm Oregon's fine. Like, and just imagine, and Bull 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 could come back. How about that? Oh man, yeah, <laughs> that'd be funny. Yeah, rooting for Kentucky, Tyler Hero. Yeah, the 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 official hero of the Hero Ball podcast. I know. Yes, he is. He is our new favorite player. Just yeah. solely based off of name. By the yeah. way, lockdown Fletcher McGee. Yeah, he he put. I, I I did watch some of that game because it was an interesting matchup, given the fact that the three ball is a great equalizer in every form of basketball, but especially college basketball, when college basketball players just aren't very good, you know, in terms of staying consistent. But that guy was yeah. a consistent player, and he had his worst game of his career, probably. Yep. So shouts out to him. We'll yeah. we'll keep pumping him up. Yeah, dude. No. College basketball can be fun. It's like my tweet said. Um, you watch it because you don't know what's going to happen because there's absolutely zero consistency with with young college basketball players. They're not good enough to be consistent. All right, Ethan. We've been talking long enough. Have we hit three hours yet? I mean, we personally have hit three hours. Okay. But I don't know about the, uh, the pod. We'll probably just hit one hour with that. All right. Well, that's a good, healthy pod. All right. All right, Ethan. See you later. Bye-bye.